Welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope with Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist Holly Gainsborough and Creative Grief Coach Elizabeth Catagnani. Here you'll find support, wisdom, stories, and practical tools for your unique healing journey. This is where grief and hope coexist and empower us as we heal and grow. And now, your hosts, Holly and Elizabeth. Hi, and welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope. This is Elizabeth, Certified Grief Recovery Specialist and founder of Her Creative Wellness. I am here with my friend and co-host, Holly. Hey, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, and welcome, everyone. This is Holly from Golden Heart Grief Support and Education, and I am also an Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist. We are happy to have you here today listening to the podcast, and our topic is secondary losses. So what are secondary losses, you may be asking yourself? Those are losses that occur as the result of the death of a loved one or even a less than loved one. So the initial loss that's followed by what can feel like dominoes falling or throwing a stone, if you can imagine, throwing a stone into a river or a lake and watching the rippling effect as that stone hits the water. And when we think about those secondary losses, one of the definitions of grief we like to use within the grief recovery method that Elizabeth and I use is that grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And so those secondary losses can come from those changes or end in what has been familiar for grievers. Yes, and there are, there are several, actually quite a few secondary losses that we're going to share with you today that you might be experiencing or have experienced in your own life. And so we're just going to go through a list of some of them and we'll discuss how some of these might impact your life uh, since your primary loss. Uh, some of those could be, some of these losses can be taking on roles that loved ones might have done previously in your life. They could be finances, uh, such as bill paying, investments, bank accounts, tax prep, uh, benefits. Uh, also something like health, household care and who would usually have taken care of the household. Uh, only parenting, uh, such as widows or widowers that are suddenly taking care of their children on their own, worrying about child care, discipline, uh, classes, things that you normally would ex have experienced with your partner prior to the loss. Mm -hmm. And then some other ones, you know, your loved one may have been the breadwinner and now the griever, you as the griever or someone you know as the griever needs to find a job. They need to start bringing money in, and this is an unfamiliar time for them to do that, especially in the midst of their grief. Friendships can change. That's a big secondary loss for a lot of people is friendships change, and they ebb and flow. And, you know, sometimes that the loved one who has died is the person who maintained the friendships and was the schedule keeper for the social life and the activities that we did with friendships, you know, and any other kind of schedule. And grocery shopping. I, I, for one, I am not a big grocery store shopper. I, I don't love going to the grocery store. And so your loved one may have been the person who did the grocery shopping. They may have even been the one that did the meal prepping or the cooking. Maybe even you woke up in the morning and that coffee was already waiting for you. And now you have to make the coffee. And another example might be who was the primary chauffeur in your household. If you have 
children, you know, perhaps one of you typically took them to events or school or activities. Uh, also coaching, perhaps, or rituals that you had in your lives that you did as a family or as a couple. Uh, also, sex and int intimacy are huge. Uh, usually having that partner in your life to have those experiences with on a regular basis and suddenly not having that sort of connection with someone. Mm -hmm. You know, and as I talked about friendship um, a little bit ago, there's also family relationships can change. If, you, if, it, if it is a spouse or a life partner that has died, your in-laws, your relationship with your in-laws may take a major shift, you know, or other family members that aren't as present for you as you would hope they would be. And then we talk about some of the other stuff, like car maintenance. Like, who was the one that filled the gas in the car? Who was the one that did the oil changes and put the air in the tires? So all of that kind of stuff is another task that's now been placed, and it may be an unfamiliar one. If you, if you own a home, who is the person who cut the lawn? Who took care of lawn maintenance? Who shoveled the snow? Now is that placed on you? You know, and back with, you know, I'm going to piggyback onto Elizabeth about sex and intimacy. Your partner may have been your best friend. And you may have had conversations with them that you didn't have with other people. You know, and that sense of partnership and that give and take. And, and if you were parents together, conversations about your children, that tag, you're it, that piece of it too. So it's also losing your best friend. And even if it wasn't a life partner, maybe it was your best friend. Maybe it was your BFF. And then that's a shifting your relationships with other people and what you got from your best friend. It doesn't even have to be somebody that you're related to through marriage or through blood. And another, you know, and we talk about this a lot in grief, that another one on the grief list, but also in the secondary loss list is moving. Whether you need to leave your home because the finances have become too much of a burden, you choose to leave your home because being there is too hard, you need to sell it and move to a different state. Perhaps you need to get a job now and you need to go someplace else, a different city, a different state, or you want to be closer to family that may not be where you are. That is also a secondary loss, leaving the familiar. Absolutely. And I mean, you and I really, Holly, we could go into each one of these in great detail, <laughs> given our experiences, I know. Uh, so we'll just touch on some in particular that have really impacted us over the years. And uh, one that really has stood out for me is I know as soon after my late husband died in 2009, uh, finances and dealing with uh, bill paying and benefits were a huge uh, hurdle for me. Uh, prior to his death, we did share in a lot of the bill paying because he was he was in the military, so he did do a lot of deployments, and I did take on a lot of the household responsibilities as far as worrying about the bills and, and taking care of that. However, once he once he died, I suddenly started getting an influx of material from the military. I had an unbelievable amount of paperwork to organize and go through. I had to set up benefits for myself and for my daughter. And even though I had some guidance around those things, it was still very, very overwhelming. And I would get calls from his gym that saying, oh, you're, he's behind on a payment. And I'd have to send them a document proving that he had died. 
so that I would no longer have to pay those bills <laughs> and, and to pay for his gym. And I remember just the level of anger I had around that, trying to emotionally cope with my grief and also have to explain to all these collectors and people what had happened in my life and share a lot of my personal, you know, what I was dealing with personally. So uh, that was very intense, trying to manage all that and to set up health insurance. So even though I had some support around that, it was still very overwhelming. And uh, I'm sure that there's experiences that you went through as well that you can relate with that. Yeah, I sure can. And I like how you use the word overwhelming because mm-hmm. it is very overwhelming for grievers. So listeners know that we, we, we know that and we hear that from a lot of people, that overwhelming feeling, almost like you're feeling like you're walking in quicksand and how are you going to get yourself out of that sticky muck of a, of a mess? Um, and yeah, I too did with, with, the, with paying the bills. And I started paying the bills after Stephen's diagnosis probably a year after his diagnosis, um, because if you don't remember, Stephen had a brain tumor. So there were things as time went on that he just wasn't able to do anymore. And that was a struggle between the two of us. So that secondary loss started pretty early on. But then after his death, you know, continuing to pay the bills in the way that worked best for me and what I thought was best for our family and the investment accounts, you know, and all of that, you know, calling Social Security so that my kids could get his the death benefit. You know, and, and, you know, and making those phone calls and being put on hold was really, really hard. And then the bank accounts, you know, and then changing the bank accounts a little bit, you know, changing, taking his name off of things, which was really hard. And yes, I can remember going to the bank and having to deposit, I think a check may have come to both of us for something. And I remember going to the bank, Elizabeth, and they said, well, he needs to endorse it. I said, well, he's dead. So he can't. And they needed proof. And I, I started carrying a screenshot of the death certificate because I wasn't going to carry the death certificate wherever I went. And so, and this is a little tip, by the way, listeners, um, take a screenshot of the death certificate so you have it on your phone. And I would just take it with me and show it from my phone saying, here is the death certificate. So that was helpful for me, but it was hard. And then the tax preparation. Oh, my goodness. He took care of everything. You know, he did all of that stuff. So I started having to do that. So that was and that's a big one I think we both hear from grievers is the financial piece, not just the financial responsibility, but the financial burden. And there is a burden because as you're trying to grieve, you're now burdened down with another layer. You, know, you keep peeling about that artichoke and there's more to it. <laughs> so um, thank you for sharing your experience, which I think is really helpful for those of us listeners who have, whose loved one has, was a veteran and dealing with the VA and all of that, which is not easy. Absolutely. And and with you mentioning the death certificate as well, um, and this could be helpful whether you're military widow or widower or not, is also, I love your idea of the screenshot, as well as what I needed to do over time was get a whole stack of certified death certificates, because there were times when I had to mail them in or present them as a document to some agency or other. And so just having literally a stack of them on hand, so I wouldn't have to keep mm-hmm. going back and asking yeah. that's another really helpful thing that I did uh, as we were navigating yeah. all of that and setting things up. So uh, yeah, yeah, have at least Absolutely. 10 on hand. So the funeral home, our funeral director, um, and did this also when my dad died. You know, he died um, almost 17 months ago. Always, you know, with both deaths, gave me a stack of 10 so that I always had them. And I still have them because I didn't need all 10. 
you know, luckily, NA and luckily, yeah. so they did have the screenshot. <clears throat> so some of the other things, and I was just talking about when we were talking about the sex and the intimacy piece. You know, the sex piece, and some people go, oh, they don't get uncomfortable with that topic. But it's that touch, it's that connection that you have if it's a life partner. You know, it's that connection you have with somebody. But the intimacy piece is even deeper. And it is those conversations. And it's that knowing each other better than anyone else knows you and knows your stories and knows your history. Um, and I shared a little bit earlier this week, listeners, about the and one of the things I missed so much when Stephen died, and I still think about it, he would come home from work and he'd get changed and we'd have dinner with the kids. And then we would go upstairs and we had a sleigh bed, which most people don't have sleigh beds anymore. And I would be at the head of the bed and he would take his pillow and be at the end of the bed. And we would just talk. And we would, that's with the time of the evening after dinner that we would then start talking about our day what his day was like, what my day was like, what's going on in our lives? How do we want to connect? You know, is there anything we need to share with each other? That was a huge loss for me. And that was a big piece that I missed very, very much for a very long time. Um, and I wonder if you had that experience, you know, with, you know, with Brian's death and, and those conversations and sharing. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because that's, that's such a bond that can't be replaced or repeated. And, you know, you have these conversations that you've shared that no one else will ever know about that or, you know, just just the way you know each other's personalities and traits and just building that connection in, a, in such a unique way. And yeah, absolutely, I definitely missed that. And we, we used to do a lot of conversations, too, over the computer or the phone when he was gone and just having, you know, that that sweet quality time uh, together in that way. That was those moments were very precious, and and I also um, remember in the very beginning just that lack of touch. You know, you're talking about that physical intimacy, and I know that something that a lot of other widows that I've spoken with about this as well with said that they would go get massages, even just to get that physical touch, just just any form of just feeling because I don't realize how much we're missing that as well once our partner dies because. Typically, you can get that so easily, almost on a daily basis. And suddenly, when that's gone as well, that warmth and that, you know, just that regulating of your heart rate when you're close to someone that you love, that sudden, when that's suddenly gone. And grief massage uh, is something that we did offer a long time ago, actually, at our grief center that, that uh, we used to both be a part, involved with. Uh, and that's such a huge uh a huge benefit to grievers as well. Just having a massage therapist that can really understand where you're coming from and, and having special accommodation for grievers is important. So if you, if you can find someone like that in the massage world in your community, that's such a strong benefit to you. Uh, just, to, just to experience that touch, I think, is, is very healing. Yeah. Yeah, even grief Reiki. You know, there's even great, and actually I, I, I'm certified as a grief Reiki um, practitioner, but even grief Reiki, anything where that, that physical touch, you know, and even, you know, people sort of slough over the sex piece. People aren't comfortable talking about sex, but sex is a part of our relationship, you know, part of our, yep. part, you know, our life partnership relationships. And it's an important piece. And I hear from a lot of widows and widows how much they miss that, um, that, that part of it, the pleasure. Yeah. You know, I mean, Absolutely. who knows your body better than your partner? 
So there is that. So I am going to put that out there. Um, you know, yeah, might be cringe, cringy for some people, but those are the facts of life. And sex is a big part of our lives in our in our marriages or our life partnerships. So um, yeah, that's a huge secondary loss. It's a big secondary loss. You know, and we talked about friendships and friendships changing. And and I had those experiences myself with friendships changing um, after after Stephen's diagnosed, but certainly after he died. And I found that some of the people that I thought I would be friends with to this day, I'm not. And some who I didn't think I would be, who swooped on in, became new friends. And then, of course, there are certainly friends that I've had for over 20 years, you know, that have just stayed in my life you know, and, and heard where I was and witnessed my pain. Um, but those friendship changes, that can be really hard. You know, it's all so cumulative. Very... Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yes, I uh, experienced the loss of several friends that we had known each other for years and years, and I just assumed that they would be the ones equipped to sit with me in that space. And Unfortunately, I, I really felt them turn the other direction. And over time, I did build new relationships uh, that with people that were either, that had either gone through a uh, similar loss or that could sit in that space and, and embrace it with me or give me the space to talk and to let my feelings out without feeling judgment or on discomfort. Because it's really about the other people's discomfort. They they just can't go there for their own reason, and so they they feel that the need to protect themselves in a way, uh, and it's nothing personal <laughs> because it's their stuff. But it, it was very difficult to still realize that, that that was another loss that you wouldn't expect. That suddenly the people that used to be in your life on a on a fairly regular basis were suddenly no longer a part of the life that you mm-hmm. knew as well. That's a huge change. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that piece, listeners, but I want to make sure you really heard what Elizabeth said. It's not about you. It's about them and where they are with their discomfort with pain and grief and sometimes in their fear of either not being able to be present, not wanting to be present because they can't sit in that discomfort. So it's very important that grievers understand because a lot of times grievers are in so much pain already that they start blaming and shaming themselves. What did I do? Why? Or, or getting angry with those people, which is normal. Of course, the anger is a mask for sadness and pain. But to really hear what Elizabeth said is try not to take it personally and find the people that are there for you. Mm-hmm. And, th- and sometimes those people are going to find you. You may not have to do anything. They're just going to find you because there are some people who are just naturally gifted with bearing witness mm-hmm. and holding space. Absolutely. It can make space for those that are meant to be in your in your life now. Another one that that, that really stands out to me um, as I as I think about all these secondary losses are parenting. Uh, I can recall, you know, just suddenly being thrust into this single parenthood and having all these experiences that I thought I would have been sharing with my spouse and my daughter was very, very young when he died. She was only six months old. And uh, going into new experiences like taking her to my gym classes or preschool and seeing, you know, both parents present and witnessing 
their their little ones having you know just these new discoveries in their life that I realize you know I'll never be able to share these moments or smile at, smile at each other and be like oh look at our daughter do this you know we I, I couldn't share those excitements and those little moments with him that are so precious and so it was very difficult and heartbreaking trying to go to those activities and see the other couples it was incredibly painful so I can uh, that's something that really was very very challenging especially the, the first couple of years uh, when you're just in that really really deep grief and that so that in the years you know that certainly continues you know as they age and they reach different milestones and there's always that thought of, oh, look at what they're missing. You know, look what he or she isn't here to see. And and that is that softens a little bit over time, I believe, but it's it's still always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and I call that only parenting when Stephen Daddy say I'm not a single parent, I'm an only parent. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting when I think about all the things that happened after Stephen's death, and I hear you saying how much Brian has missed. And I always say, you know, I don't, I feel like Stephen was watching. Stephen was there. I feel like we were missing, we were missing him being a part of it. I feel like he was there, not in the way I wanted him to be there. But yeah, I mean, all these changes, you know, and as a parent, and my kids were 13 and 17 when he died. And, you know, that, that tag, you're it. I mean, you know, and, and you're remarried now. So, you know, you have the two and it's that tag, you're it, you know, here. Mm. I'm, I'm, it's your turn. You know, there was no more tag, you're it. Tag, I'm it, and I'm it, and I'm it, and I'm it. And so there were th- things that happen with children that you really want to bounce it off of, whether your child's going through a difficult time or going through a wonderful time, and to get to share that with your partner. You know, at the time, Stephen died in December 2010, Derek was graduating high school that June, Liana was graduating eighth grade that June, and missing all of that, you know, and not being a part of that, and then their college, grad. you know, I think about Ella, you know, and then you get college graduation, you know, and graduate school, you know, and all these different life cycle events, you know, that happen, you know, with us as families. And, and it's not just, you know, we talk a lot because we are widows listeners. Elizabeth and I will talk a lot about our personal experiences because it was our, you know, our husbands that died. But I know for many people, it's, it's even with divorce that this mm-hmm. can happen. And it's even with par- parental deaths. You know, my own parent dying, my father dying, and a lot of the responsibility and all the changes and him not getting to see, you know, a lot of things with my kids in the past 17 months, you know, and sharing some stuff with him and then me caring for my mother and him not being a part of her life, you know, with her things that she's had go on. So, listen, I don't want you to ever think it's just about widows and widowers because we encompass all relationships for all people because we all agree with 100%. You know, and as I think about that, and I'll sort of segue into the parental thing. So for my children, and I have a story about Derek, um, and Derek will be turning 30 next month, which is mind-blowing. And that, again, his father isn't here for me to share that time with him. He sees it. I, I believe that personally. That's my spiritual belief. It doesn't have to be anybody else's belief system, but that's mine. Um, when Stephen died, I gave Derek Stephen's car. And so he drove that car from... Probably started driving it a few months later. I changed. I put it into my name, but gave it to Derek. And so Derek was driving the car for four years. And then come May 2015, 
we could see it. I mean, he had driven that car to the ground and it was really time. He needed to get a new car. And so I said, it's not safe anymore. So I took him to the dealership and I got him a new car and I was working on the financing and he was outside, you know, unpacking the car, cleaning out the car. And he texted me and said, can you please come outside? And I met him outside of the dealership and he was very emotional. It was a secondary loss. Four and a half years after his father died, four and a half years later, he was having a secondary loss experience by getting rid of trading in his father's car, which actually had been his grandmother's car, because Stephen got the car from his mother when his mother died. It was very painful for him. It was really a huge change in what he was familiar with, and he had a lot of conflicting feelings, excitement about a new car. But the conflicting feeling of giving up that piece, another, another piece of his father. Um, and Elizabeth knows I actually spoke to Derek yesterday. I asked him if it would be okay if I share this story. Because it's a personal story and it's his story. And he was really okay with me sharing it. And I want other parents and other children, adult children, who have lost a parent, whose parent has died, to know that sometimes those secondary losses can creep in at times that you don't expect. And again, that's part of the normal and natural reaction to your loss. Absolutely. That's, that's a very powerful story because that's a, a big piece of the story that he had with his father, you know, through and all the memories attached to that car. Oh. And it can absolutely mm-hmm. happen quite when you're least expecting it. And I, I actually have a car story as well, which is interesting. Um, you wouldn't think of cars typically when you think of a loss, but I, uh, I actually, I had a vehicle that I had been driving for years since my late husband and I had been married and we had purchased the car together. I had a lot of memories in that car of us traveling and having conversations in there. And it, it was, I was a little more attached to it than I guess I realized, but um, I kept, as, as many of you know, when you're greeting, you get a very foggy brain. It's it, simple tasks become very difficult sometimes to fulfill. And one of the things that I really struggled with was the car maintenance. And I always had this light coming on, change your oil, change your oil, and the check engine light, check engine light. And I would see it every time I got in the car and I was like, oh, I still have to do that. And then of course I get out of the car and I am overwhelmed by my chaotic life and I forget. And I let that go on, unfortunately, a little too long. And suddenly one day I was driving on the highway and this was in 70 mile an hour traffic. And out of nowhere, my engine seized up and my car stopped moving right in the middle of the highway. And it was very, very scary. Fortunately, I was able to get off the road safely somehow. Um, But that was it. The car was dead. It was done. And I was not prepared to have to let go of that car at that point. And I remember the amount of guilt that I felt around it. You know, if, oh, if I will only take care of that, took care of this better, this is something that we bought together. He would be disappointed thinking that I didn't take care of this. And, you know, just all those extra feelings that went along with this car dying and then having to let go of the car and the memories attached to it. And so that was another process that I had to move through. And thankfully I was in therapy at the time so that I could work through that. But it it was, again, just another loss that you wouldn't 
typically associate with, with the primary loss that just happened out of nowhere. And it's just another to let go of, like uh, the, the yeah. stuff that we, and the meaning we attach to things. Yeah, it can feel very metaphorical in some ways, mm. you know, when these things happen um, and, and those feelings of yearning, you know, that longing mm-hmm. for that person, you know, especially any odd cars in my cars, but, but they're still a part of your relationship, you yeah. know, and the things that he took care of. You know, I remember mm-hmm. putting air in my tires and having a hard time putting air on my tires and at the gas station starting to cry. So having a hard time, you know, putting the, you know, the air to, you know, into the tire. And I remember just sitting there crying, saying, I should, I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is not my job. Not my job. But you know what? It became my job. <laughs> and now I know how to put air on my tires. <laughs> <laughs> so we thank you, listeners. Um, you know, our goal every episode is to give you a nugget for you to feel heard and seen and that you can walk away with something, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that wherever you are is normal and natural for you and that all these experiences that we have had and that we are sharing with you, it is part of the grief journey and that you can look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is, this is part of this and I'm okay because this is, this is normal. Yes, and you may even consider making your own list of secondary losses that, you know, maybe maybe you've had an aha moment where you wouldn't have connected, uh, you know, something in your life to your loss in the way that we've listed out for you, perhaps, and you might think, huh, maybe, maybe I'll go down the list and see all the other pieces of my life that may have been impacted and, and how those are getting managed, and maybe I can look at that or give yourself a little more grace than you have been. Because all of this is an extension of the loss that you've experienced, because it really does trickle down through every area of our lives. Uh, you know, thinking of that ripple effect that happens um, when you drop that stone in the yeah. pond, all those ripples are part of it. So remember to be kind yourself to yourself, knowing that this is all naturally a part of it and part of change. You know, and for some of the things, the roles that you have to take on that you never did before, maybe talk about finances, lawn care, car care, all those things. <clears throat> there are people out there that can help you. There are professionals, there are accountants, there are attorneys, financial advisors, uh, you know, and they will work with you and different people have different sliding scales. There are, you know, mechanics, auto mechanics, and you, and even friends and family members, you find your safe people, the people that you know that are able to and will support and help you when you need it. But don't feel like you have to do everything yourself. Many of us who are grievous are like, well, I'm just going to do this. We, you know, we want to do that, <clears throat> that myth, be strong. I'm going to be strong. You don't have to be. There is no weakness in asking for help. So reach out and find the people whether they're professionals or just friends or family members, find those people to do what you need to do. And, you know, Elizabeth talked about she was in therapy at the time when the car broke down. And find that also that support, that grief support. You know, Elizabeth and I provide grief support, and there are many grief supporters out there. So find that for yourself. You don't need to be isolated and sitting in the space all by yourself. 
You truly do not. We're honored to be a part of your life once a month for half an hour. We thank you for joining us at Creating Space for Grief and Hope. And we ask you to go to Creating Space for Grief and Hope to rate us, to review us, to subscribe to us, and share us with your friends. Even people who aren't grieving will learn something on how to be present for grievers. And one day they will be a griever because we're all grievers in one way or another. We thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Elizabeth, as always. It's just, I say it every time, but it's always an honor to be beside you on this journey in our podcast. It truly is. I've loved doing this with you, Holly. Thank you so much. And thank you to all you listeners, and we will see you next time. 